Our scripture reading this evening is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, which makes a connection to the Feast of Unleavened Bread. You'll notice that, and I'll refer to it in the sermon, but the seventh verse. Purge out the old leaven, and then it says, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. So that's the connection to our text. We'll read the whole chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned, that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already, as though I were present, concerning him that hath done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within, but them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore put away from you, uh, from among yourselves, that wicked person. That far we read in God's holy inspired word. May God bless that word to our hearts. The text that we consider flows out of what we considered this morning. 
and comes from that same chapter, Exodus chapter 12. And we consider verses 15 through 17. Exodus 12, verses 15 through 17. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day, there shall be an holy convocation. And in the seventh day, there shall be an holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. And ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. Beloved congregation in our Lord Jesus Christ, we have considered the great redemption of God's people through the Passover lamb, the picture given to us in the Old Testament, but the reality in Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb. And the question for us to consider is, how shall you and I respond to that redemption? Will we go back to Egypt, as it were, the figurative Egypt? Will we go back to the old way of living, or will we live? our lives in thankfulness for what God has done for us? Will we make a concerted effort to live to the glory of God all the days of our lives? Or will we live to ourselves? Israel we saw this morning were in bondage to Pharaoh when the angel of death threatened the entire land of Egypt. But God provided for his people. God provided the Passover lamb for them. And now what's significant, that immediately after the celebration of the Passover, God calls Israel to keep the feast of unleavened bread. 
First, he redeems them through the Passover lamb. Then he calls them to keep the feast. And so it is with us today. First, he redeems us by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and he applies that redemption to us. And then he calls us to keep the feast, calls us to live a life of thankfulness to him. That's what the text concerns this evening, living a life of thankfulness when it calls us to keep the feast of unleavened bread. Let's consider that text under the theme commanded to keep the feast of unleavened bread. Let's note in the first place the meaning of that, looking at the feast and that calling that we have. Secondly, the manner in which we are called to keep that feast. And lastly, the motive for keeping the feast of unleavened bread. The significance of this Old Testament passage is that it calls you and me to keep the feast of unleavened bread. No, it's not calling us to keep that Old Testament feast, the typical feast, that feast which was only a picture in the Old Testament, but rather it calls us to keep the reality, the spiritual reality of that feast. But in order to keep the reality, it helps us to understand the type, to understand what God calls us to do. It's helpful for us to look at the picture that is given to us in the Old Testament. Verse 15 of our text says, seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. God commanded the Israelites after the feast of the Passover, after the Passover lamb was offered on the 14th day, God commanded on the 15th day, he commanded them to keep the feast of unleavened bread. They were supposed to, on that day after the Passover, to get rid of all the leaven that was in their houses. Children, you know what leaven is. Leaven would be something that maybe some of your mothers use to make bread. If they have a starter and they add part of that starter into a lump of dough, that leaven contains the yeast that when it is mixed in with the lump of dough will work itself through the whole lump of dough and cause that lump to rise. God says to his people in Israel, get rid of that leaven. 
get rid of all that starter, if you will, that you have in your houses. And the idea is this. All of that leaven that is currently in your houses had its origin in Egypt. And God says, I want you to put all that leaven, I want you to put it all away. Don't carry that Egyptian leaven into the wilderness. Be done with that leavening influence. Leave it all behind in Egypt where once you were in bondage. That's the picture. When God commands Israel to do that, the spiritual reality is given to us in 1 Corinthians. The spiritual reality that this Old Testament feast represents is told to us in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 8, when the inspired apostle says, Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven. Let us, there's the command to the New Testament saints, let us keep the feast. There's an exhortation urging God's people now to keep the feast in a spiritual way. And now you understand the picture of leaven. Leaven represents sin. And sin, just a little bit of sin, unrepented of, will soon affect the whole lump. And now our calling is to put that away. Leave behind all the influences that characterize our former life, all the influences connected to our bondage to Satan. The command is every much as real. Just as God commanded Israel to keep the feast, so you and I are commanded, called to keep the feast of unleavened bread. Well, when are we called to keep that feast? And according to the timing of the text, when was Israel supposed to keep that feast? When are we called, spiritually speaking now, to put away sin from our lives, put away all those influences, those evil influences? When are we called to do that? According to the picture given to us in Exodus, the very day that God brought them out of Egypt, the very day that he brought them out of bondage, on that day they were to leave all the leaven of Egypt behind them. 
and observe the feast of unleavened bread. Verse 17 of our text, God says, and ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this self-same day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. As soon as God brought them out, On that very day, not five hours after he brought them out of Egypt, not three years later, but the very day, they must not carry any of that leaven of Egypt along with them. And this was not just a feast that they were to keep once in their lifetime and then forget about it. But God commands them to keep this feast in their generations. Throughout the whole of their lives, they were to keep the feast of unleavened bread. And that fits. They were called to keep the feast immediately after the Passover lamb. Immediately after the Passover lamb had been sacrificed. Because it was that lamb that made it possible for them to es escape the plague of death. It was the Passover lamb that figuratively had redeemed them out of Egypt. And immediately after the lamb was sacrificed... And in response to that redemption, they were called to keep the feast. So close is the connection between the Passover feast and the Feast of Unleavened Bread that sometimes they are simply called the same thing. They are so closely identified. They were called to celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread from the very time of their redemption. Now, beloved, for you and for me, from the very time that God applies our redemption to us, from the very moment that we understand that Jesus Christ was sacrificed for us from the very moment that we understand that his blood was the perfect sacrifice that covers over all of our sins from that very moment that we are conscious that Christ, our Passover lamb, was sacrificed for us. From that day forward, God calls you and calls me to keep the feast of unleavened bread. Well, how are we to keep that feast? Obviously, it's not a literal keeping. We're not to go back and go into our houses and get rid of all the packages of yeast or starter that are in our houses. 
How are we to keep the feast? According to the picture, there were two elements. In Old Testament Israel, they were in the first place to put away all leaven. That was the first step. And on the other hand, they were to eat unleavened bread. Those two elements. So we find in verse 15, we read, put away, even the first day, ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. There's the picture. And Jewish commentators tell us about how the Jews would celebrate this day. They would take a candle and they would search through every corner of their houses and find every piece of leavened bread and every portion of leaven, and they would get rid of it completely. And there's a New Testament reality. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6. The apostle says, Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. Purge out. That's the first element of celebrating the feast of unleavened bread. Purge out the old leaven. Well, what is that leaven? Leaven, if we look at the references to leaven, we find, for example, Jesus speaking of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. The leaven in their practice their practice of hypocrisy. That was one leaven. Jesus says, beware of that leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And on other occasions, he refers to the leaven of their doctrine, their teachings. So we have that leaven, sinful practices, hypocritical practices of the Pharisees and Sadducees and their erroneous teachings. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 8 makes a reference to that leaven as well. When it calls us to celebrate the feast, it says, let us keep the feast not with old leaven, and then it expands on that idea, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. Put away that leaven. Put away all malice. Put away all unkindness. Put away all ill will that we carry in our hearts. Put away that malice. And put away all wickedness. There's a general word, all kinds of evil actions, all kinds of evil desires. Put it all away. 
You and I are called to keep the feast by putting away all malice and wickedness. Put away all that leaven that affects our behavior, our practices, and put away all that leaven that affects our beliefs, our doctrine. And we may ask ourselves, what leaven do I have and what leaven do you have? Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. What leavening influence is there in your life? And I ask myself the same thing. What wicked influences affect me? And maybe that arises from all sorts of corners. Pride and selfishness. All kinds of different besetting sins that you and I must battle against. What leaven is it that characterizes our life of bondage? And that applies to individuals but it also applies to congregations and it applies to denominations. In the Corinthian church, which is the context of that fifth chapter of 1 Corinthians, in the Corinthian church there was a fornicator who was allowed to go on in his fornication and that affected the whole congregation. Well, Keeping the feast applies to a congregation, but it applies to individuals as well, and it applies to denominations. What leaven would God have us put away? What malice, what wickedness affects us? God calls us to put away all that leaven, not just some of it, put away all the leaven, even the smallest sin, put it away. That in the first place, keeping the feast of unleavened bread means we put away all that leaven, put away all those wicked influences. And on the other hand, we are called to eat unleavened bread. There's the picture. Verse 15 of our text. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. There's the type. The New Testament reality is also spelled out in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. After it says, now let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Sincerity 
and truth. Sometimes we allow a place for malice and wickedness, but God calls us to keep the feast with sincerity and truth, living by those principles in all of our lives. Sincerity is a interesting word in the Greek. It actually comes from two Greek words, the word for the sun, that is, that which gives light, the sun, and judging. Sincerity has to do with having pure motives that will stand the light of day when we examine ourselves in the light of God's word. When we examine ourselves in the light, we ought to see pure motives. Sincerity. Sincerity in our love for God and our love for our neighbor. Not just coming to church because that's what we're supposed to do and it makes us look good. Not just dressing up because that what, that's what we're supposed to do, but from the heart. Sincerity, loving God from the heart, what I do arises out of a true love for God. That's the idea of sincerity. And what I do to my neighbor, not just pasting a smile on my face when I see him, but loving him from the heart. Not just serving God one day of the week, but in sincerity serving him all the days of the week with sincerity. Sincerity doesn't want evil to be mixed in with the good. God calls us to live in sincerity. But then on the other hand, keeping the feast involves truth. Living according to the principle of truth. And we can take that in its broadest sense. Keeping the feast with truth means living according to the truth being truthful in all of our lives, truthful in our words, truthful as we reject the lie and we embrace the truth and defend the truth concerning God's word. Truthful as regards our neighbor, upholding the good name of our neighbor and not simply emphasizing some negative aspect about our neighbor. Being truthful so that we love our neighbor, not just in word, not just we say, oh, we care about you, but also in deed and in truth. God calls us to keep the feast 
in sincerity and truth, not with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And now we can apply that in specific instances. I'm not going to do that right now, but we ought to think, how can I show that sincerity and truth? How can I show a pure love to God and to my neighbor? How can I live according to truth and sincerity as an individual, as a congregation, and as a denomination? The text calls us to celebrate the feast in a particular way, putting off, putting away leaven and eating the unleavened bread, which 1 Corinthians tells us is sincerity and truth. What's our motive? Why are we called to live that way? Well, when God commanded the Israelites to keep the feast, one motive was that he wanted them to make a break with Egypt. This is not the main motive, but one motive is making that break with Egypt. So he says in verse 17, And ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. And now notice the reason. He says, for, for in this self-same day have I brought you, have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. The spiritual reality is that God has delivered us from our bondage to sin and to Satan. But if we allow those evil influences from Egypt to remain in our lives, if we allow that leaven to remain in our lives, we ought not to fool ourselves because sin will work its course. If we say this is just a little sin, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. If we allow ourselves to lust, that lust will bear fruit. If we allow ourselves to look at pictures on the internet, soon that will bear horrible fruit. That's why leaven is used as a picture of sin, because sin doesn't stand still. A little leaven in our lives will affect every part of our lives. 
and that leaven may come through evil friendships, friendships with those who are wicked. It may come through the television. It may come through the Internet. There's all kinds of ways in which that leaven can be introduced into our lives. But as we allow ourselves to fellowship with the ungodly, that is going to affect our morals. That's going to affect our lives, how we live before God. Soon, if we hang around those that are ungodly, we begin to think the way they think, and then we begin to talk the way they talk, and pretty soon we are doing the things that they do. There's that progression that the psalmist speaks of in Psalm 1. If we allow ourselves a little sin, that little piece of leaven will work its way through our whole lives, and it will grow. That applies to us personally. It applies to congregations. If a congregation, as in the case of the Corinthians, allows a sinner to continue in their midst, pretty soon, because that sin is allowed, maybe uh, a particular person doesn't want to come to church, doesn't care about attending the worship, that affects the whole congregation. Or if there's a divorced and remarried person allowed in a congregation, pretty soon the congregation gets the message that it's okay. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. So one motivation that applies to us is that God would have us keep ourselves from the malice and wickedness of the world. Keep ourselves from all those evil influences. And by doing that, we're manifesting the work of God in saving us. We're manifesting his work of grace in us. So that now, as we have been brought out of bondage, we are able to serve our God in the wilderness of this world. That's one motivation, being separate from sin. But that's not the main motivation. The main motivation comes out in the text. And that main motivation is thankfulness to our God. Verse 17 of our text, we read, And ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this selfsame day, and now we put the emphasis slightly different than how we read it before, in this selfsame day have I, God is speaking to them, in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore ye shall observe this day in your generations. Keep the day. Observe the feast of unleavened bread in recognition 
of God's liberating work. He had led Israel's armies, their hosts, thousands upon thousands. He had led them out of Egypt, out of their bondage to Pharaoh, and God had made himself their captain. And now they are his armies. God had redeemed them out of that bondage to Pharaoh so that now he could say they belong to him body and soul. Keep the feast in thankfulness for what I have done for you. Keep the feast of unleavened bread, for this is what I have done. And that's the same idea we find in the Ten Commandments. When God introduces himself in the Ten Commandments, he says, I have brought you out of the land of bondage. And now here is the rule of thankfulness. In light of what I have done, here is the way to show your thankfulness to me by keeping these commandments, sincerity and truth that is referred to in 1 Corinthians 5 applies to all of the commandments. Here is the way to show your thankfulness to God. We are free as God has given to us the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, and has redeemed us out of our bondage to sin and to Satan. He has made us free. He has given to us the life of Christ, brought us into the wilderness so that now we may serve him. We have his grace leading us out of bondage, his grace also in the wilderness, strengthening us to serve him in thankfulness. And if you know the history of Israel in the wilderness, how often they showed their unthankfulness. And we think to ourselves, how could they do that? God had just led them out of their bondage. And how could they be so thankless? And then we do the same thing. God has led us out of our bondage. And how often we fail to show our thankfulness. But then, beloved, remember when we see our failures, remember the Passover lamb who was sacrificed to cover over all the guilt of our sins so that we don't become dejected, but we repent and we again set ourselves after 
seeking forgiveness, we set ourselves again to show forth our thankfulness for all that God has done. May God grant to us, in light of our redemption by Christ our Passover lamb, may God grant to us that we would keep the feast all the days of our lives. Amen. Our Father, which art in heaven, we give thee thanks for that precious redemption. Give us, O Lord, thankful hearts that we may keep the feast in sincerity and truth. May we, in the wilderness of this world, give to thee the honor that is due. May we seek thy name's honor and glory and never give occasion to the wicked to blaspheme. We ask it in Jesus' name.